0: Welcome to the Guna Ramble, a Gunnar's World podcast. No gimmicks, no satire, just a little bit arsenal. Hello, good evening and welcome to another edition of the Guna Ramble Guner's World Podcast. This week's edition is a jam-packed variable variety of your essential football fire for day, stretching from the windswept plains of Delia's Norfolk Broads, all the way to one of football's wonders of the world. The great yellow wall of the West Westfield Stadion, all garnished with a generous helping of Arsenal. On tonight's show, we've changed the lineup once again, with a new front three combination of the volatile, moody, yet inspirational. Inch practice. How you doing, mate? <laughs>
1: well, thanks very much for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you?
0: All right. The ever so lightning quick, not so slow mo. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good. Thank you
2: very
3: much.
0: And another new signing. To the team we've got the Iceman to blog the man with the ice running through his veins we've got waleed how are you doing sir how's
4: it going very well thank you very much
0: good and last but l- not l- least me lead throwing the bullets into the chamber is your host Jizza reprising the role of the libero or the quarterback right so we've got a uh, lot to get through this evening um feel we should start with a little matter of the uh sh- Shareholder AGM that took place today. Waleed, you were down there, the roving reporter. Um, yeah. What did you, what did you gather for us?
4: Well, compared to, um, recent times, I mean, I'm talking about last year, year before, it was, uh, was a lot better than, um, it was a lot more calmer, in fact, uh, than what it has been in recent seasons. Um, I think everyone was in better moods this time around, uh, Obviously, um, Arsene was quite, uh, quite happy. He says that it's, a, he says it's, it's, it's a bigger pleasure to, um, to start the uh, AGM this year, not having people down his throat. So, um, yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was, it was definitely a great, um, it was a great AGM today.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, did you see the black scarf uh, flyers that were handed out before the outside the AGM? Um,
4: yeah, I did. Every, everyone's there trying to um, trying to promote their uh, the supporters group and things like that. The H. T. are obviously there. Um, <laughs> the Black have gone with uh, trying to question: Are we a European super club? Um, so basically, they're questioning on-field success, trophies
0: compared to the profit that the club's making. Cool. And what did you make of it? Did you find did you find any truth in it, or did you just thought it was a disparate? I mean, they definitely make
4: some valid points uh, mm. in terms of. Um, supporters groups and um how, how they're how they're important to um how it's important for the club to engage i think there's a lot of frustration um especially because Dan Cronkey obviously when he took over he promised that he would meet with um all the supporters groups you're talking about the Arsenal supporters trust um the black scarf movement and the aisa um but none of it's been done so um let me definitely make some valid points um obviously they're once again pointing to um Bayern Munich as the example and how German football has uh, has gone so far ahead at the moment in terms of ticket pricing and running of clubs and mm-hmm. they're essentially trying to send a message that clubs um, need to get their acts together about things.
0: Cool, alright. Uh, Mo, let me throw that over to you. What did you make of the flyer? Well,
2: to be honest with you, um, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it because, um, you know, I, I just have to for me, I, I kind of looked at that and, and read the whole Top Trumps thing and I thought to myself, it seems like they've got an agenda and they're putting Bayern Munich as the comparison in order to support that agenda. Whilst if someone had the opposite agenda, they could go and select just about any team from the Italian league, for example, and then Arsenal would come out on tops on the Top Trumps. I just think for that Bayern Munich comparison they made, there's a hundred other clubs you could put just to negate uh, the point that they were trying to make. And, and to be honest with you, I, I do like the Black Scarf movement, don't get me wrong, and, and the reason I like them and the other supporters groups is because they want the best for Arsenal, they want the best for Gunners. Um, but you know, I do think that for an organisation or an institution to exist, there needs to be a
3: purpose. And when your purpose um, is, or when you're linked to the Arsenal, you know, you, you exist off the back
2: of the Arsenal. When everything's going perfectly, your purpose seems to be a bit diminished, and I, I kind of feel like they're trying to create. Um, or you know really like, force that purpose down your throat when actually I don't think they' there are things they can do but I don't think they're hitting them bang on I think they're missing the really key issues at the club um, you know comparing us to Bayern Munich is not really achieving that. maybe I've missed the point but
1: for me I, I don't really see what they were aiming to do with that.
0: Cool inch. Yeah, I, I,
1: I disagree slightly with that because I've, my first reaction, Mo, is exactly the same as yours. I was thinking, you know, why Bayern Munich? You, you're picking a club that just won the Champions League. Well, you know, of course we're going to, you know, be uh, not compare favourably to them in some aspects. Um, and they could have picked any other number of clubs, just as you said. But then as I sort of read more of it, I, I, I changed my mind because I, I the point of it for me was not about necessarily comparing us to Bayern Munich specifically I think it was more about comparing us to clubs that have um, ex-players on the board you know so that top Trump's card you know said a number of European Cups won obviously nil for Arsenal and um Five or whatever it was for Bayern, and then all the stats going down. You know, um, pro- uh, season ticket prices. Well, they're lower at Bayern. Um, you know, match, t- match day ticket prices. They're lower at Bayern, so on. And then right at the bottom, the final stat they wanted you to see was, you know, number of X players on the board. Zero and three at buying. So I think they're just trying to say, you know, let's just freshen up the board a little bit. Maybe they're saying it in a slightly aggressive way, and maybe the top trumps thing throws you off a little bit because. You end up thinking what you just thought, but I think they, the point they were trying to make, if you read the other side of the flyer, is just that um, you know we need to get more people in there. You know, be it Tony Adams, Lee Dixon, whoever. You know, one, an ex-player that understands what Arsenal's about, that's younger, that's going to put some energy and time into it, and maybe have the effect on on the club that they do at Bayern. Maybe um, think about fans more, think about ticket prices more. You know, because otherwise there's always this suspicion that the board only think about keeping ticket prices up because it makes them richer and when you put someone in who's got the opposite agenda, it, it, it can put the cat amongst the pigeons, it can freshen things up. That's what I think their message was and if you read the back of the flyer it started off saying we've done a great job um, and then they just started to be more critical as it went down. So it wasn't just like oh look we're crap compared to them, I think it was more um, involved in that but you know if you step back from the whole thing. Um, And look at it, you know, from the point of view of another club, you show that flyer to, I don't know, a Spurs fan, an Everton fan, Liverpool fan, they'd look at that and they'd say, well, if that's your biggest problem, that, you know, your fan movement is saying, well, we're not quite as good as Bayern, then obviously you're doing pretty well you know, because other clubs are, are lining up and shouting in the streets because they want the manager out, you know, and they've got major problems. But if the only problem is, yeah, well, we're really good in Europe, but we'd like to be slightly better, you know, I don't think it's that bad, is it really?
2: Yeah, I, I see what you're saying and, uh, you know, maybe I have been a, a bit harsh on them because, yeah, they are making a point. And also it was quite fan-focused, you know, for example, they put the quote uh, on from the Bayern chief um, talking mm. about the fact that fans aren't cows to be milked and that sort of stuff. And... You know, the, the reason why I wasn't a big fan of it when I sat down and thought about it after reading it was because this is an England versus Germany comparison. In Germany, the culture's different, the the league is different, the city that they play in, for example, they're the biggest team in it, and it's just them in 1860, for example. Um, you know, with Arsenal, there's a hell of a lot more competition. I, you know, I just think there's so many variables that the comparison for me lacks true depth and um though, you know i understand the fact that yeah they're looking out for a better deal for the fans and they want players on the board and there are these other things around the fringe of what they were talking about Uh, you know as i said last week about burkham coming back to coach the club i would love it if he did but as long as he's the right man for the job it's not just about having players on the board because if i could choose any individual in the whole world to be on the board of arsenal it would be david dean he wasn't you know, he's not a player, is he? he I, I just want him on the board because mm. he's the best man for the job. So, you know, it would be great to have Tony Adams or Bergkamp and all that but I think when we say that, we say it with sentiment I want righty coaching our strikers, I want um, you know, Adams on the board I want, you know, Arsenal players all around the whole club but I think it's more important that we get the right men for the job so, um, whether it's Gazidis or whether it's, you know, whoever it is I want the best man for the job and Currently I don't think Kazidas is the right man for the job so instead of saying let's get players on the board I'd rather them say let's get Kazidas out let's get the right people on the board like for example David Dean a
1: football man an Arsenal man I think there's more important things we should be considering Right Yeah that's true,
0: that's um, true. Mali, i just make one on. quick point about the
1: PSM you said that you know you you actually liked them, um, but you didn't like this flyer. Whereas for me, I actually didn't like them before this, but the flyer made me think, well actually you've made some good points there because in the past I thought they were overly negative and and slightly impatient. but you know this flyer. I thought, well, actually, you, you haven't got much to complain about because we're top of the league and we finally spent some money. But you, you still, you still got a valid point to make on behalf of the fans. So I actually warmed more to this campaign than the previous ones. So yeah, just a complete reversal.
0: Cool. Um, Walid, yep. going into the the, the, the the AGM, um, what, which which points, which uh, topics. Kind of, sort of, like struck home with you, or, or with the general, the, the, the shareholders in general. Which 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 points? Um, generally, I mean, there
4: was a lot to do with kind of um, trying to make the point to um, <coughs> the board and Ivan um, Kisejda and Arsene Wenger that it's it is very very important that the only way we could achieve success off the pitch is um, is to do well on the pitch in terms of getting trophies and things like that. Um, but. As always, you'd get the same old answers again, you know, yeah, we're doing the best we can. I think um, there was a, um, there was, a, there was, they had a plan, I mean, Ivan Gazidis, Arsenal Wenger and uh, Sir Chips, they had a, um, they had a plan to come into the um, AGM and kind of try to drill home the points about uh, youth development. And uh, they were very, very keen, I, Wenger stressed it about three, four times, that it it's very, very important that Arsenal develop their own players mm-hmm. and, um, he also mentioned that, yeah, we should go out by superstars to add to the squad, but the core has to be from the players that we develop, and I think that was a very key issue that was brought up
0: today. Sure. Um, uh, Inch, do you want to... Well, um, I, I I heard the same point, um, but other
1: people have interpreted it in a different way. Maybe they were being negative, but what they um, said was that, you know, every, every fan is wondering whether the purchase of Ozil is the start of a a spending spree if you like of are we now going to go out and buy another three or four sort of massive players for 30 40 50 million or, or was it sort of an isolated incident and they're interpreting this comment as saying look you know that was a bit of a a rarity and don't expect it to happen in every window so i don't know i wasn't there so i don't know what the The tone of it was, or whether any of that was suggested. Maybe people are reading between the lines and getting it wrong, or putting words in his mouth. I don't know, but Hmm. if I had to guess, I'd say that you know, spending forty-two and a half million on a player is not going to happen every window. Hmm. But I think that um, what he might do is get another uh, one in january or if not in the summer um expensive player and and maybe another one it may be one per window or you know something like that but i don't think he's going to go out and buy three at once mm-hmm. um and i think that his priority is definitely still to develop from within
4: sure. yeah i mean um the, he, he he basically went on to mention three points um he said um he said fu- the future of the club is um, is based on three levels, he said. The first one is to defend the style and philosophy of his play, which is obviously, you know, we could call it a bank of ball. He likes to play the attractive brand of football. Of football. Um, his second point was to bring in unknown players uh, who can become big here, and he obviously pointed out to Koscielny. And then his third point, which, is, which was the key, which uh, a lot of people... You have the Wengerans who ignored it and then you have the Wengerins who um, who really highlighted this point he said that we need to scout and buy recognized world class players. He said we bought Ozil and you don't need scouts to buy Ozil. You just need the money.
3: Yeah. And
4: um, so he just he tried to drill the point in that, hey, we've got money
3: right yeah. now. Right, so we bought o- we bought Ozil. Um you made a very good point
4: there about whether um, whether Ozil whether Ozil is just the um, is just a red herring type the type signing or are we going to have more like then? I myself have said that um, in the past, that I think one of Man City's most key signings has been Rubinho. I mean, he didn't do that well when he came in, but when he signed for Man City, everyone turned around and said, hey, they're doing something big over there, right? Mm, And I think um, Ozil has been one of those signings, and I'm hoping, I mean, we all are hoping that he's going to go out and really follow follow through with this.
0: Mm -hmm. It's a good point. Um, Mo, do you want to chime in with anything?
2: Yeah. The the comments around this were, um, you know, they they didn't kind of register with me too much because he's covering all bases here. He's saying, yeah, we'll buy players, we'll scout players, um, and we'll bring youngsters through. And, you know, it's kind of, well, any club can say that. That's, that is literally true of any club. You know, even <coughs> Man City, for example, that they, they can claim that. But it, it's, it's about
3: what the, for me, out of them three kind of options, what the core focus is of
2: your club. With Man City, obviously be to go out and buy world-class players. I think with Arsenal, it will always be um, leaned greatly towards... Uh, scouting and towards youth mm-hmm. and i think the um you know world-class player purchases will be a, l- a luxury that we'll, we'll get to experience every now and then mm. and that's fine by me to be honest with you because i've always wanted the club to be sustainable i don't want to go and be like chelsea or city and i don't want to be like united with a massive debt on my balance sheet i, I want it to be a sustainable club but what i don't want is the profits that the fans give to the club going to owners or execs it you know it should be a club for the fans that's why it was formed you know in 86 sort of thing so um for me i i think um that was, as I said, a bit of a non issue, what he was saying. But going forward, I just really want it to be a case of fairness for the fans mm. and happy for them to look at youth and look at scouting as long as the money that we put into the club goes on these world class players. Because sure. look how much joy uh, signing Ozil has given our club and look
5: what it's done for us on the pitch.
0: Yeah, um, I just want to, yeah, I, I think um, f- for me, uh, I'm, I hope it's a, it's a signal that even if we don't go out and spend 30 to 50 million on a player every summer, it shows that we're no longer scared to do that. You know? Um,
1: that's right, it's a signal of our intentions,
0: yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and that that's the key point for me. As far as the youth development goes, I think that's that, that, that for me, is still a grey area, because we've, we've just let go of how many players. That's exactly what way. I was going to say, yeah. How, yeah. Can, how can they say, oh, we're going to develop from within,
1: when they just they just let them all go? Yeah. Unless we're going to suddenly go out and buy a load of 14, 15-year-olds, yeah. um, you know what happens when there's sort of wilshire in that lot um you know at 27 where where's the next lot come from so yeah. it's but a bit they are interesting there. they are around the club we've got Icefield. we've got Lem, for example you know we have got players
2: but i just think that uh, the way it, the, for me the way i look at it with these youngsters that come through if just one of them every kind of five years you know so i'm yeah. talking about a production line yeah. of of people coming in and leaving the club not Mm. making the grade coming in leaving the club not making the grade or whatever Um, if just one every five years makes it like Wilshire for example Mm -hmm. then that's working because it's Possibly hard yeah.
3: to get to that first team level, and if if you do get a Wilshere sort of thing, then you've effectively saved 30-40 million yeah.
2: without having to go and buy him. So you know we have let a hell of a lot of players go, but you know for me the ratio is still acceptable that Arsenal are producing. Because you look at Kieran Gibbs, you look at Jack Wilshere, for example, and I know, I know these are players we've signed, but Ramsey, Chamberlain, Walcott, we've got them and we've developed them and we've got them for a fraction of the price. So yeah. overall. You know, for me, it's the one, kind of one in five year rule. If if it works like that, then it's great, and I've got high hopes with Zell LM for example. Mm. So um, you know, hopefully, yeah, no, will,
0: I think you make a good people. point. I think you make a good point. I, mean, I was saying a couple of podcasts ago that um, you know, one 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 every you know, even if he's not a world class player, somebody that breaks into the first team, you get one every four or five years. It's showing that it's working. i was just concerned mm. that um, you know, so many. I mean, at one point, in some mm. we didn't even have a youth. Academy, like there was no, there was no one there, you know. And then we quickly scrambled around and went to Norway and wherever, and Charlton, and picked up a couple of their defenders. But anyway, that's for a, that's another story for another I'm looking time.
1: Looking forward to that Zeller limb though. He gives me the horn,
0: yeah. bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> Ethiopia are after him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm <not then> surprised. <laughs> yeah. Is he? Is he? Is there? Is, are Germany trying to get a claim on him as well? I mean, I saw something somewhere. Was it? Was he plucked from US or somewhere? Where was he plucked from? I
1: think he lived in America for a long time, didn't right. he? But he is definitely of Ethiopian parentage. Right. Um, but um, I don't know how long he's been in the UK, actually. Um, but I, d- I don't think he can play for England. That's for
0: sure. But would yeah. <laughs>
1: um, be interested to know who he wants to play for.
0: Sure, we guys. We, if,
3: mm-hmm. if I may, just the the one thing about the AGM
2: that I um, think is of crucial importance, they didn't get asked, and even if it did, it, it wouldn't have got, got, got an answer. But for me, the the most um, Worrying thing for me about
0: the the club is uh, what is Stan Kroenke's exit strategy. Well, you know, I was just about to ask about because for the first time in a long time we've actually heard Stan Kroenke yeah. step to the stage today, and I was going to ask Walid well, what what did you make of his comments today. Uh, I was going to ask after you, you Walid, I was going to put it to you guys, but what did you, what did you make of the of his comments? Um, it was it was a lot of. Um
4: it was a lot of kind of stuff he said in the past, like, yeah, you know, we're doing great. He, um, <clears throat> I kind of felt that he was trying to say that you did us a favor by buying us, uh, by buying our shares type thing. He was like, um, you know, there was a lot of clubs um, that wanted us to buy their shares. And, um, but when we looked at Arsenal, we were like, no, this is the right, this is the right place for mm-hmm. us. Um, so, you know, he he, he, he said, he said a lot of that. And, um, <clears throat> He, he, he kept he kept it very short and sweet, and um, he obviously mentioned that you you know you we need trophies, and uh, you know I'm sure us is going to get us the trophies, but us is obviously the key man still for him, mm. and um, he's he's given him his hundred percent backing. And, you
0: know, and so, going back to Mo, so go, going back to Mo's point about his exit strategy, did you, did you make of that, Mo? Do you want to reiterate what you just said? Yeah, you know, for me, basically.
2: Uh, Any time anyone makes an investment, they have already thought out what, you know why they're doing it, what their exit strategy is going to be. Now, um, you know, for example, Royal Mail just got floated recently. Every, a lot of people sold on the first day, a lot of people are keeping it for a year, getting the dividend, a lot of people are going to sell it in five years, but everyone knows. That's my point. So Stan knows what he's going to do with the club, but he hasn't shared it with anyone. That I find concerning. It would give me a hell of a lot more comfort if, for example, someone like Usmanov had bought the club and he's a true fan of the Arsenal. Then you know, you kind of you have more faith, even if they don't say anything, that yeah, they will make sure that there's that good continuity. With Man United, for example, when that got sold, it was sold ruthlessly and recklessly, and I just would hate that to happen. So that that's my major worry. And I don't know if Willie would be able to pick up from anything that was said by Stan at the AGM today. Was there any indication of what he plans to do? Um. If if the,
4: obviously he's he's not going to give give anything away. Um. But from 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 what it seemed over the summer, um, he seemed a lot more open to be able to talk with Uzmanov's uh, Camber and White Holdings about potential selling. This is from a, this is this is from a few guys that have, that have, that tend to usually say have good information. Um. But it all it all it all, it all suddenly went quiet. I don't know if mm-hmm. something happened or um, or, or they they might they might. Have, have just had another one of those fights they usually tend to have about uh, who's richer and so on, but um, still <laughs> with Stan, with the clubs that he already owns in terms of all the Colorado, Colorado Rapids and,
0: all, Nuggets and every, so every, everyone,
4: yeah. everything his firm owns, they firmly seem to be in a place where they like to buy something and be content in
0: just mm.
4: kind of keeping it going. They haven't really sold up much or haven't shown any intention mm. of selling anything and in all honesty, Stan can make a huge, huge, huge profit if he does sell up. Um, yeah. His his shares are worth have rocketed since the time he bought him mm. off of Danny Fisman, and um, you know. But at the moment, no, there's nothing there to say that he's going to leave or he's going to sell his shares. And uh, am
0: I right in saying that does, he doesn't does actually concern? take he doesn't actually take any dividends out of any of his sporting operations?
4: No, right? well, right. no, he doesn't. Um, at least with Arsenal, I don't think he mm. he can right now. Um, mm purely because um, there's a lot of people that generally don't like him anyways at the moment. Mm. And uh, doing that would probably cause a, cause a massive rift with everyone. Sure. But, um, at, the, at the moment, he, I mean, si- since, he, since he's taken over, nothing much has actually changed other than the name of the papers. The mm. fact that, yes, he's the owner, but everything is, seems to be quite... Very much the same as what it was before.
0: Mo, last week you said that he only takes a salary of twenty five thousand pounds. It does, yeah. And you know,
2: when I first saw that, I kind of thought to myself, well, that, that's good of him, to be honest with you. He only takes twenty five k out of it. That's negligible, isn't it? But then I, I started to think about it, and apparently, um, I, I read somewhere, and I think someone mentioned to me today as well. It might be one of you guys. I can't remember, but he only does six days of work a year. Uh, when it comes to Arsenal so once you extrapolate that he's taken a bloody good salary if someone well, be no, 25k for 6 days work I didn't,
1: not I, didn't, I didn't say that I said he comes over to, to the UK approximately 6 times a year that's yeah. what I said I didn't but, say that he, have... he, he can be working from America he can be yeah. having meetings and he can be talking to sponsors or whatever else he does um, Well, so it, I, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say that he only does 6 days but oh. I, I can't prove that he doesn't either in, in,
4: interest, interestingly yeah. actually Actually, mm-hmm. um, at the AGM today, someone um, someone questioned about um, Stan Kroenke, and you know, they basically hinted that hey, you're not around as much as uh, you said you would be. If you remember from a couple of years ago, he said you better get used to seeing us around, type of thing. And he's yeah. actually not around as much. Yeah. Um, that's when Ivan Gazidis stepped in, and he, based, he just said that um, Stan has given all the responsibilities and all the running state running of the club in my hands, and uh, said Chips Keswick. Um, which is why, if you have any questions to do with the running of the club or anything to do with the club, I'll be answering it. So essentially, the point actually stands that he does actually work probably six days in a year because mm-hmm. everything else seems to be what Aaron Kazidis does. He meets with supporters' groups. He does all the issues which do is with ticketing. He does yeah. everything to do with the transfers. Mm-hmm. And, and I have read as well. Sorry, I have read in the past uh, um,
2: you know ex- his exact split of how much time he does devote to the Arsenal, and it is very, very minimal. And then you compare that to someone like Roman Abramovich, who who's at every single game. And you know, I, I think that does a lot for the fans. When they see Abramovich every single game, um, he could be on a yacht in Saint Tropez with a supermodel, but he's choosing to sit in that crap stadium watching their boring style of f- football. You know, he's only got one club though, hasn't he? Mm. yeah
1: but I want our CEO to only have one club. I want him to be at every single game mm. It's interesting though interesting. that you've mentioned what's his exit strategy because um he's not taking dividends he's sitting there doing nothing and it leads me to believe that one of the reasons why we sort of took him on and invited him to onto the board was mainly to prevent Usmanov Hmm. from buying enough shares to be in his position are you saying he's a a safe pair of hands the funny thing is that um if, if they did do that, it's backfired because I don't know if anybody has been listening to talk sport in the last couple of hours, but they're running with the headline of Arsenal are on the verge of takeover by Usmanov because apparently he's just bought a few more shares and he's now he does, crossed yeah. that 30% limit,
0: which now means that he's obliged to well. either
1: offer to take over the club or or, um, or, or 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 at least he gets access to more... Information. I thought, I think after that, they that, stayed running in the club, so this that, whole idea that we that he, we bought we bought into Stan Kroenke to prevent Usmanov, it, it may not have even worked. I think that. I think that, it's that, a. Um, go,
3: it's go, a ahead, it's, go
4: ahead. Um. Sorry, i was just mm. going to. I think the 30% mark actually means not a lot anymore.
3: Yeah. I mean, he he.
4: If, if if it was the state that the club was, under, um, was owned by. Uh, f- several shareholders, and there wasn't anyone with over 30% um, holding. Then um, he would be obliged to make a uh, takeover offer. But c- because Stan Kroenke owns something like 60% or so on, he's he, he's not in the position where he has to make an um, make an offer. And the other thing is, Arsenal last year went out to change the um, to change the to change the rules of Premier League, basically, uh, just to say that um, a, p- a person who owns 30% can no longer. Um, uh, sign off books or see financial information uh it now has to be 50 percent um so they really went out of the, the way the way to keep uh Wolfsburg out as you said the point the
1: about, about him having, or having or to make exaggerate. an offer sorry did you go for it i was just going to say that so basically what you're saying well either that talks are exaggerating and and there's there's no danger of a takeover anytime soon the only de- there'd only be a danger of a
4: takeover if stan was willing to um, negotiate with red and White, and from the way they reacted to my question about why Red and Why Holdings was not at the AGM today, it seems very much that they have, they really want nothing to do with them. Right. Um. So, but guys, that's this, the is, this
3: is this is basically <coughs> the crux of my point because we don't know what
2: Sat Stan's objective is with this club. What we do know, when we—if we try and piece the uh, pieces of the jigsaw together—he doesn't take dividends and he only takes twenty-five k out of the club. So, what is he in it for? Logically, the only thing can be capital growth. He's got other sports teams. He's not a fan of the Arsenal. He can only be in for capital growth. If his shares have increased, and then usman comes in with an offer, maybe he will sell. Who knows?
0: And as for the 30% thing, I don't know whether he is still obliged to make an offer, but it's irrelevant because so. Stan yeah. will obviously just say no if he yeah. offers the minimum sort of thing. I believe it but, was waived, wasn't it? It was waived, that, that 30% fresh um, Okay, thing. fine. So, even if he doesn't have
2: to make an offer, I, I just... If, if he's not ta- if Stan is not taking a dividend he's not taking millions out of the club what is he in it for it can surely only be capital growth so then when is that time going to come when he'll sell and who's he going to sell to will he give a crap who he sells to because you know when it came to united they didn't give a crap and look what their club went through they basically played roulette with
1: their club and luckily for them it worked out but you know he hasn't well, sold. He hasn't sold any of his other clubs, though, has he? He hasn't no, sold any hasn't. any of his American uh, baseball teams
0: For, or so anything, has he? Yeah, nothing. Yeah. So, in which
1: yeah. case, maybe, maybe he's a collector. You know, some millionaires yeah. or billionaires collect yachts, I, and it, other it, other ones buy islands. Maybe he how just does that, collect clubs I, and just yeah. turn. Well, up, how does, does that make yeah. you feel? How does that make you feel? You
0: uh, know, to like me, collecting a club. Uh, yeah, but I mean, to me, he seems like a, a safe pair of hands. It's a custodian, like they've, they've installed him there because he's not going to rock the boat. You know.
1: That's he likes the his, word I was gonna use. I to yeah. say maybe he, he's a custodian, he wants yeah. to come in and he wants to like every millionaire, you know, instead of showing off his Lamborghinis he, he wants to show off to everyone that he's he's a big part of one of the, the best and clubs in Europe that has mm. one of the richest heritages and that mm. maybe that's what he wants to do. I don't know, maybe, I maybe a fan. Deep, <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. want a fan. I'm mm.
3: sorry, I don't want a billionaire, I don't want a collector, I want a fan. That's what, what I, I want. It. And not only do I want a fan, but if you look at Usmanov's net worth
2: compared to Kroenki's net worth, for Us- Usmanov is much richer than Kroenki. And, um, you know, with Kroenki, I think Arsenal make up about 20% of his entire wealth or something along those lines. And, you know, that, that all of a sudden becomes very, very material to him. If if something else happened to his other assets or whatever, you know, I, I just don't want Arsenal to be an asset for him. I want the owner of of Arsenal to love the club. And I'll just, I can't do it word for word, but a quote of Usmanov when he was asked whether he would ever sell Arsenal shares, his response was, I, I'm not, um, I don't own Arsenal shares as a investor. I own them as a fan. And he said, if you sell what you love, you 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 kind of lose who you are. You know, these are the kind of emotive and passionate words he speaks with. And I know that people will look, sit there and say, well, you don't know if he's... Um, kind of being genuine or not, but I can only take what they say at face value. Unfortunately, I don't get to sit down and chill out with them and have a cup of tea. So I can only take what they say at face value. Mm -hmm. And on face value, Usman says all the right things. He's working with
5: David Dean and I trust David Dean implicitly. Mm. Sure. It's a good well, point. I mean, mm. he,
1: he, the thing is, he does always uh, make himself sound mm. like a passionate Gunner. But I remember when he first appeared, people on the forum were saying, "Yeah, he says that,"
0: but then he, he also said said he was a Chelsea fan ten years yeah. ago. And mm. I've heard he said he was a United fan. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So,
1: <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know. Actions I mean, louder than words, just all rumours.
2: Mm. Yeah, actions speak louder than words. His company is called Red and White Holdings, for crying out loud. And he's he's bought shares. Nothing, you know, for absolutely nothing, because he doesn't have a say, does he?
1: They treat him like crap and he owns 30% of the club. What's he getting out of it? Yeah, but he could have an ulterior motive. You never know. I mean, and also, company means nothing. I could start a company tomorrow called Massive Twat Holdings, but it doesn't make me a Tottenham fan. (laughs) 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 I know know what you're saying, but then you
2: look at how much his stake of Arsenal as a percentage of his his entire net worth it's not that much. I just think that he could be onto bigger and better things if he wanted in terms of making money. To me, it doesn't. Seem like he's in it for the money, whilst mm. we know Kroenke has has made a lot of money. If you look at how the Arsenal share prices increased over the years, mm.
0: yeah, fair C- point. Okay, just lastly on that that that, that topic, um, well, was it not said that the um, KSE have bought some sort of tactical company or tactics company from America for two million pounds, and they're going to implement it into the Arsenal way or something? What was that about?
4: Yeah, um, well, basically, um, someone raises the uh, issue saying that um, in the uh, in the in the finance book finance books that was recently released, um, they said that Arsenal have bought out a, uh, a an American company, and uh, I think obviously suspicions were there because obviously you have know, got an American owner who buys an American company. So uh, Ivan Gazidis went out to say, you know, no, actually, he's um, he's not linked to this company, and neither is anyone from KSC. Uh, this is. The company they deal a lot with football analytics.
3: So
4: mm. um, he's saying that uh, they, this company is going to help us and Wenger to study opponents, to, t- to study their tactics, and uh, provide reports for us so that they can prepare for games and uh, basically to be able to get the best out of the team uh, on the pitch.
0: Is this Billy Bean? Did they buy it off of Billy Bean or someone from there?
4: No, no, that. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like a, a character, yeah.
3: Billy <laughs> Yeah.
4: Well, well, I mean, about, you know, it, it, it's a lot of a lot of clubs um, today are actually investing a lot in terms of these studies and things like that. It's even clubs like Birmingham City, mm-hmm. um, they're in, they're investing in in studies and ways that they could they could use anything to give them the advantage to know more about their opponent. Can I just so, say? Um, can I just
0: say, Willie? Fat yeah. little good desk dynam, hasn't it? But go on. <laughs> yeah, no,
4: of course um It's it's all it's all a part it's all a part of kind of moving forward and mm. trying to um, trying to basically achieve the best on the pitch.
0: Yeah, finding a new that, just new
4: to put age. The into perspective. Mm. We um,
2: spent as much on even Gazidis in 2012 as we did on this company. So you know, I know which one I'd rather have. <laughs> and a, a lot of it is about uh, intellectual property, which is mm. an intangible asset. And I, I don't know much about it or what they're trying to do, but I'll, I'll sure as hell be doing a lot of my, uh, a lot of research about exactly what we're trying to get out of that and how we plan mm-hmm. to justify that um, investment, or mm-hmm. you know ha- how we plan to recoup anything from it.
1: So okay. you know, as and when mm-hmm.
2: I find out, I'll obviously relay that information. Okay, well,
0: Here we go. Girl.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Today>. <laughs> okay, Willy. Okay. So was there anything else uh, that was significant that came out of the, the meeting today? Um. I,
4: obviously a lot of issues came up um regarding the whole ticket pricing and um how you know Arsenal have quite expensive season tickets and obviously as we were talking earlier um, the Black Scarf movement were comparing us to Bayern Munich, um, which is quite an unfair comparison, seeing as the Bundesliga doesn't actually get the same amount of TV coverage as the Premier League does today. Um, but Ivan mean, Kizidis went out to say that, you know, we've categorised games just so that people can save money. Um, he's talked about the uh, £10 uh, tickets for the Young Guns. Mm-hmm. He's obviously talked about, talk about um, freezing t- uh, ticket prices mm-hmm. for the last... Uh, Five of the seven years and only making inflationary um inflationary increases, which yeah. is a little a little bit misleading because mm-hmm. um, he still did increase club level season ticket prices. So they're seen as the cash cows at the end of the day, which, um, yeah. which is slightly unfair um, yeah. because I was a club level season ticket holder not long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean ticket prices was was very much on the, on the
0: top. Did did they not recently announce, or was there not recently uh, an announcement made that we're Offering Norwich City supporters, away supporters, tickets at 20, a lot less than what Norwich City supporters were getting at Man United uh, League Cup game Was that, that right? Yes, that's right.
4: Well, Man United have had a, um, have recently had a, quite a bad reputation in terms of ticket prices but it doesn't get the same amount of coverage as Arsenal does mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, if you look over the last two or three years, they've consistently charged full price for Carling Cup games um, which is quite unfair. I mean, you know, it is a Carling Cup game and not a lot of uh, supporters from London can uh, can save money to go up there and pay that amount of ticket money if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I mean... But their full price this. is very different to our full price. That, that well, I mean, you're, 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 you're still looking in the region of £45, 50 £60 pounds for a ticket. But that won't be their lowest price ticket. It won't be their lowest price ticket.
2: And I think with these things, a lot of them always focus on the range, so the minimum mm-hmm. and the maximum, and yeah. how affordable the minimums are for you know the average fan sort of thing. And I think when, when mm-hmm. you look at United's uh, ticket range it's yeah. kind of more favourable in, in that respect. So, it's, yeah. It's good what we do with with capital cup but uh, you know it's it's how many games in a year sort of thing compared to the league and. True, true, but
4: the end of the day Also, something's better than nothing. And definitely, imagine, imagine, ima- yeah. imagine, imagine the uh, the anger if we did charge full price for a yeah. capital one cup game. I mean, and know, the club do it's... deserve the club
2: deserve credit for maintaining that even though it's Chelsea and mm-hmm. you, you know yeah. considering there will be a lot of demand for that. So I, I do like the fact yes. that the club have kept that going.
0: Sure. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. So um, that was the uh, main the main points, talking points, I suppose, of the uh, shareholder regime. Willidge, you're in the, uh, you're, hopefully, you're going to go to the AST meeting this week as well. That's right, yeah. It's on
4: Monday, yeah. That should be interesting as well. A lot of um, details should be coming out regarding what exactly has uh, happened in terms of financial issues. I mean, obviously, because I'm not, an expert in finances and so on so they really dumb it down for you mm. at the uh, asd meetings but it's quite interesting and obviously uh, a lot of talk about uh, arthur Wenger getting a new deal mm. uh, well, if you want a date if you want a date for that i look great in a dress
0: so. <laughs> 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 so you'll be coming on next week to talk about that as well won't you yeah sure good stuff all right so that was the agm Okay, joining us this evening for the first part of our Behind Enemy Lines double bill, we have Michael Bailey, journalist and broadcaster of the com and the Eastern Daily Press. Good evening, Michael. How are you? Good evening, sir. Very well, thank you very much. Hope you're good too. Not too bad, not too bad. Thank you for uh, taking the time to join us. Yeah,
6: my pleasure, my
0: pleasure. Good. good stuff. Right, so let's right get right into it. Um, You've come into this season on the back of a, of a creditable 11th place finish in 2012 13. Yeah. We've seen Chris Houghton add what I, I suppose what you would call more technically gifted players to your squad. He's, he's gone big and bought, um, Ricky Van Wolf, Winkle and some, you know, Leroy Fur, amongst others. The season so far hasn't, would you say it's gone as, uh, not as quite as planned or, how how would you see the season you've you've had so far? Yeah,
6: it's been um it's been a funny one really. I think there was a lot of expectancy with all the players that Norwich have bought. I mean, the the, the fans here they've they've never really known anything like it. Spending pretty much twenty twenty seven twenty eight million quid. Um, I mean, before that Norwich's record signing was three and a half million. Mm. So, um, it's just all been blown out of the water really, which I think is how across the board in the Premier League. I think everyone's kind of done that sort of stuff. It's, yeah.
1: just, it's still money. new for all the
6: Norwich fans. So mm. I think that brought a lot of expectancy with it. A lot of fans who sit there playing on Football Manager and whatever, they, they like look at the <laughs> signings that were being made and that, that sort of makes a rod for your own back, really, when you're Chris Hutton. So um, it's a lot of money and I think the fans, therefore, off the back of that, wanted, wanted to see and still want to see this season more, more wins, more points, but also more flair and, and more attacking intent, I think, than maybe they got last year. They want it's almost like they're at the point where they want these intangible improvements, like mm-hmm. better and more entertaining football. They want them to go for it. Whereas at, at the same time, Chris Hughton's got to uh, he's got to pick up enough points to keep them up, basically, because that's always going to be Norwich's situation at the start of each season. So there's a lot of expectancy around, and it, it's taken them. I mean, they're, they're pretty much up from where they were last year. They, they, they're probably ahead in terms of points. As they've had a couple of difficult fixtures, mm. and it's clearly taking them time to, to gel and to work out the best way of getting the best to some of these new players. Now, he's, he's getting there. Mm. Um, I mean, the back line... and. John Ruddy goal, that's kind of been settled pretty much anyway yeah. from last season. But he's just about got a hold of the midfield now. I think he's got a system and, and who plays where that, that can really take them forward. And it's looked pretty promising the last couple of games. And I think the remaining stumbling block, if you like, is, is how they're going to score the goals and yeah. getting the best out of Ricky Van Wolfswinkel or, or genuinely seeing what Gary Hooper can do because we haven't sure. really seen that yet. So. It's, um, it's a work in progress. The last two to three games have been pretty positive in terms of how Norwich have gone about it. Mm-hmm. So if that carries on over the next two, three games, then I think we'll see the mood lift and I think you'll see the league position improve as well because if they keep doing what they've been doing, there are uh, you know a handful of sides that will be worse than Norwich this year. Mm. We just don't know if that's going to be, if that's going to, upward, upward trend is going to continue. I think mm. that's a big question mark.
0: Sure. You you touched on um, seeing the development of the team in terms of the, in terms of the tactical play and and so on and so forth. You've come off the back of a three one home defeat to Chelsea. From what you've said, I I I get the impression there are kind of there are reasons to be hopeful and optimistic in terms of. How you're playing despite the defeat. So you're you, you're saying you expect it to come together. What's the general vibe amongst those at, the, the fans at Carrow Road? Are, are they willing to give the team more time to 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 come together, or do you think there's there's a sort of an undercurrent of you know you know we're getting a bit jittery because you had yeah. spent quite a lot of money. I mean everyone spent a lot of money with the new TV deal, the, t- the new TV money coming in. What's the vibe in At Carrow Road amongst yeah, the
6: people? Yeah, it's a bit of a split really because I think last season, it, it's very difficult for Chris Hutton because he, he, Paul Lambert was very gunpowder, very exciting manager. His teams are very exciting to support because there's a lot going on. They put a lot of effort in. It's very high tempo and they're buzzing around the place. Mm-hmm. Chris Hutton's style is a lot more, um, probably tactically, tactically, uh, sound, mm-hmm. um, but it requires uh, discipline, shape, and all those other words that fans probably find a little bit, more. certainly a lot of fans feel s- s- slightly dull.
3: Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> but I
6: don't agree with that, but I know maybe you, 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 I don't want to use the word average, but you know, most fans won't mm-hmm. be worried about that. They want to be entertained and, sure. and see the team go for it. So, um, I think there's a, there's a split. L- last season wasn't the best to watch. They were in relegation trouble until they picked up six points against two sides that had basically gone to the beach at the end of last season Mm -hmm. so you know it was great to finish 11th but they they probably did quite well to get there in the end and the way that last season went there is still in a quite significant pocket of norwich fans a a sort of like you say an undercurrent that they're just not exciting enough and Mm -hmm. they're not going at teams enough Mm -hmm. to to satisfy their appetite right at the same time there's a lot of fans who are happy with what chris chris hewton's done and, and they have to be really because the rise under paul lambert was so sudden and meteor meteoric that it, it needed someone to sort of steady it and yeah. keep them up once he left yeah. because it could quite easily have just fallen down around sure. everyone's ears so he's done a brilliant job chris and um i think he deserves the patience he uh and he, he has done a cracking job but there is uh, there's enough discontent in the fans mm-hmm. that if results don't come and they spent all this money and don't improve that they will get on his back And he, he had that a little bit when they lost to Villa
3: yeah.
6: at home, there was oh, a, yeah. a fair amount of discomfort right. from the home fans and the problem with things like that is once they, um, once they surface and they're quite significant they will always be there if something similar comes along again. Sure. So he's under a lot of pressure this year. Mm. I think a lot of people are still willing to give him the time, mm. but he does need to um, visually produce an Irish side that is picking up points and is is going for teams. He's, he's got a lot on his plate to try and yeah. to try and deliver. So sure. it's, it's in the balance really, and mm. I think maybe once we get to Christmas, we'll have a proper sense of where this season's going.
0: Okay, you've said you you've alluded to shall we say, Chris Houghton having to manage expectations let's say um, how do you think that the, the board will give him the, the requisite amount of time required to sort of see the green shoots of improvement, see how the team sort of get the best out of Ricky Van Walswing and, and Gary Hooper and so on down there?
6: Yeah, that's a really that, re- isn't that the big
1: question
0: yeah. that's a
6: really tricky one to answer I a lot of it will come from the fans and the pressure they put on the situation and how it goes. The the club is really well run at the moment. The the board and the chief executive and the chairman they've got they've done an incredible job at Carroll Road in the last four or five years. Twenty three million pounds in debt uh, and a League One side, so they're now debt free externally and you know, they're spending their third year in the Premier League. It's an incredible turnaround that you even look at Southamptons, I mm. mean they've managed to do it. In the same time frame, yeah. but you know they've had a major benefactor
3: there,
6: t- turning it over. Maybe Swansea is the only real similar, um, similar sort of turnaround, mm-hmm. but over a longer period of time. So the, the board know what they're doing. They've done a cracking job so far. They're not afraid to change it if they feel it's going wrong, because Brian Gunn was sacked after one and a half games, pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. much <laughs> um,
0: yeah.
6: four years ago. So they, they will, they will change it if they need to. But I think Chris Sheaton has their backing at the moment, and i think it would take quite a lot for them to do it off their own bat and to change it yeah. the the big driver will be the atmosphere at carrow road and whether that uh, maybe the players don't quite do what they're you know what, what christian is asking of them i think at that point it's a point of no return and the board have, have to act sure. but um I. Uh, I can't see it getting to that point anytime soon. I think he'll have he'll have the board's backing for the foreseeable future, definitely. Even if they have uh, a few wobbly results, which I mean, they've got a big game obviously at, at your place on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They've got Manchester City away in a couple of games' time, so um, it's not the easiest of friends at the moment.
0: Absolutely. Um, I was going to say, um, how at one point in the summer you'd spent more money than us.
6: Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, until deadline day, until much, deadline it, I day yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, um, how have you seen the, the the new players? Do you think there's a lot more to come from from Ricky Van Woenswinkel?
6: Yeah, uh, yes. I think um, I think he's the one where they're still learning how to Good. best service him, and I think he's still learning how to get the most out how he's playing I think sure. he, he, Norwich bought him from Sporting from mm-hmm. basically 10 million quid massive amount of money for, yeah. for Norwich City um, and you know the calibre of players he was playing with at Sporting Portuguese league obviously Sporting had a fairly terrible season last year but mm-hmm. the players around them they were great with the ball They the, the movement was good and he got good service a lot of the time he was their sole goal provider mm-hmm. and the quality of who he was playing with made it probably still quite easy for him at times even though they were over-reliant on him yeah. I think here He's having to learn that he, he can't expect the perfect service. Mm-hmm. He is going to have to make his chances as much as getting himself in the position and, and the players around him working out how to feed him. Mm-hmm. I think there's signs of that. i, 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 I say against Chelsea, he um, he made the equaliser with great header down. Mm-hmm. And before that, in the first half, he
3: uh, ran the channel and got a great ball across the box to create Norwich's
6: chance. Cool. they're two things we hadn't really seen from him so um, I think it will click with him but it is going to take time, he's still young and I think he is still, there's a lot to learn there yeah. but I think in a way that it's the other players some of the other players that have come in that might be worth watching on Saturday, Leroy yeah. Fair uh, cracking midfielder I mean that guy can be as good as he wants to yeah. be he's 23 he, uh, I'm, I'm very he's surprised that
0: no one came and know, picked him up well,
6: exa- well there's that but also even Even in these first few weeks, no none of the pundit no one really seemed to be talking about what Leroy is doing. Mm. And the fact is I think by Christmas people will go Leroy Fair, this is this is the real deal. Yeah. Keep him at the end of the season. I, I genuinely think he's that good, yeah. uh, and I think Martin Olsen as well, left back. Obviously, he's been around a bit, mm-hmm. but I think he's um, brought something slightly different down that side for Norwich, and he's now getting chances to shine as well. So it's yeah. it's not just about Ricky. Yeah. Um, I think he attracts a lot of the attention because of his price tag. but yeah. uh, he'll come good. I think there are others who are already
3: proving their worth.
0: Cool. All right. Well, in recent seasons, you've given us a bit. Of trouble. We've had we've had a few sticky games with you <laughs> with
3: you guys. It's great games. Aren't yeah.
0: They? <laughs> you'd say that um yeah her might, it's uh, like I might see it differently, I'm not sure, but um you know at least Grant holt's not there any longer um, how how do you see this weekend's game panning out
6: uh i mean yeah i've been i've been I've seen all four of the games actually i've, I've been covering them and I've been down to the emirates the last two years um I mean last year's was a cracking game and, mm. and I thought the one before that was probably as good as game as Norwich were involved in that season it was mm-hmm. fantastic yeah. probably not for you, for you guys no. <laughs> but I remember the home fans being really angry to be honest mm, yeah. but um, I think this is it's quite difficult actually I mean I've been really looking forward to seeing Mesut Ozil play in the flesh and mm-hmm. um, of course he might he might not be fit I guess we'll have to see but really? I think um, I think it's a very Tall order for Norwich on, on Saturday. I think they can be awkward and stubborn for Arsenal. Definitely, mm-hmm. if they if they're well organised, they play well, and Arsenal aren't quite at it, or maybe even complacent, or you know, not, not don't don't quite hit their heights. Then Norwich can be pretty stubborn for them, and, and they can they can cause Arsenal a few problems. Whether they've got enough to score one or more <laughs> away from home is a big issue. Because I mean. Norwich obviously beat Arsenal at Carroll last season but yeah. Norwich are a different proposition away from home mostly. Mm. That said they have seemed to find something else at the Emirates. I don't really know what it is so it's um, theoretically it's difficult not to think it's going to be a really tall order for Norwich and to be honest they'll probably lose by a couple of goals but they, they do have it in them and they, they did cause Chelsea a lot of problems mm. before the international break um, I know Arsenal are probably in better probably in better form and and a little bit sharper at the moment. But uh, Norwich have the potential, but it okay. would rely on Arsenal not firing on the
0: OK, like. all right, so but that being said, let's have the first goal scorer predict the score and also, to finish it off, let's say how many corners there will be in the match. Can you predict... <laughs> 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 Do
6: you get to put money on me? So um I should say Ramsey because he's in my fancy league team but right. I have a feeling um, I have a
3: feeling Giroud will score the first goal mm-hmm.
6: I think it will finish 2-0 mm-hmm. um, which I've said to two people now so I'm going to try and stick to the same score to <laughs> everyone who asks
3: me if
6: we have a prediction league at, at work and I'm terrible at that 2-0 Arsenal win yep. and what's the other one? Corners
0: How many corners in the game?
6: In the, in the game in total In total 22 22
0: Great that sounds stuff. Sounds like a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> don't ask how many Arsenal games. Great stuff, Michael. It's been fantastic having you on this evening. Um, sure, hopefully, you'll be around to do it again. Sure, um, you yeah, no yeah, turn just fixture. Just, uh, and uh, good luck for the match and for the rest of the season. Indeed. Thank you very much. Right, that was Michael Bailey um, on the behind enemy lines. Okay, on the second part of our double bill, we've got Matthias Souk from the Yellow Wall podcast and the Fußball podcast. How are you doing, Matthias? I'm doing well, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Good stuff. Right, so um, we've got you next week. Um, how, How have you seen the season going so far for Dortmund? I mean, in particular, the Champions League campaign. How have you? How? What's your assessment well, of the Champions if we,
5: League? Um, well, if we just look at the Champions League campaign, obviously it didn't start off quite as hoped against Napoli. I mean, that was uh, about as big a nightmare of a game as you could probably <laughs> not hope for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, just anything that could go wrong went wrong. But uh, against Marseille, you know, I mean, it was uh, one of the easiest matches I've seen Dortmund play at any level. Uh, I mean, they just completely dominated the match so that was uh, very very uh, nice to behold
0: cool alright and in the in in your domestic league I see you're only a point behind Munich although you've lost the game Um, what's what's the what's the general feeling amongst Dortmund fans about your season so far I'd say overall it's it's very
5: positive Uh, yes Dortmund just lost against Gladbach a uh, 2-0 despite being absolutely dominant in the game, 27 shots on goal versus about 6. Uh, and then you concede a, a bad penalty and that just kind of get a red card and that turns everything. So despite that loss, uh, everybody's pretty upbeat because it's been very dominant, it's the, uh, the most prolific goal scoring team, also when it comes to shots created in the Bundesliga, much more so than, than Bayern. Mm. Uh, so everybody's really looking forward to the matchups versus Bayern this season. They'll probably uh, swing the Bundesliga title one way or another.
0: Sure, you've uh, um, Jürgen Klopp has made some very significant signings to offset the departure of or to mitigate the departure of uh, Mario Götze, um, Patrick uh, Aubameyang, um, Mitikuian, as well. Have been have started off pretty well, haven't they?
5: Yeah, I mean obameyang he got a hat trick. His first real Bundesliga start. Um, they're, they're all playing very, very well. Uh, you also have Socrates who came in from Bremen at center back, who kind of gives him a very good third option there. Uh, and he's also flexible, can play on a fullback. And the key that what uh, Klopp and Michael Zoak, the sporting director, really did with bringing those players in, they wanted guys who could play. Multiple positions. Mm-hmm. Mkhitaryan can play any position in the center. Obama Young can play right wing, left wing, and striker. So it gives a lot of flexibility, and you can see it in the game how they constantly switch flanks and positions.
0: Sure. All right. Let me uh, bring Mo in here. Mo, do you got a question for Matthias? Yeah. How's it going, Matthias? Good. Thanks.
2: Cool. Uh, the question I have for you is regarding Lewandowski, because. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but Arsenal need a striker. We only have Giroud and then we have some sort of Samurai warrior as a backup um, who's known as better around these parts. But um, I heard recently that Lewandowski has kind of said something that He's open to a move to England and also he's out of contract in January. Now, is it an absolute certainty that he's going to join Bayern Munich or is there a chance that he'll go elsewhere?
5: Well, I mean, his contract runs until the end of the season. Um, and it's kind of, you know, him and more importantly his agents are playing a, a funny little game. You know, every, everybody pretty much believes he's going to buy an after the season on a free transfer. Uh, now, if Dalton would get an offer in January from England or Spain, Dalton would probably look at accepting it, depending on what the situation is in the league at that time. Uh, but then it comes down to what Lewandowski wants, because he can you know, veto any any transfer um at that point in time. So you know, he he said he can sign in January, he could sign a contract with Bayon, uh and then he retracted that and said he was misquoted, uh which he wasn't because I saw the interview. Uh and then he came out and said he'd be open to move to to England and his agent said, Well, that's
0: that's an old interview from the summer. So right. At this point, who knows what kind of games he's playing. The, the key
5: thing is, he's still scoring a lot of goals. And yeah. any team that gets him or keeps him will do really, really well. Cool. And uh, just one thing I wanted to confirm with you. From
2: what I know, he wanted to join Bayern in the summer with uh, Goetze, but he didn't. And uh, I've heard a rumour that to keep him happy, he's actually on about 300000 a week
5: at Dortmund th- just for one year. Yeah, they, they significantly bumped up his salary. Um, they... You know, about over quadrupled it uh, to just kind of keep him happy to play the rest of his contract out, which is you know a little odd, uh, given that he has a contract and you have to fulfill it. But they don't want their top goal scorer to be unhappy, and Dortmund made so much money last season in the Champions League; they could afford to splurge a little bit for one season.
0: It's certainly a different way, a very different way of um, of, of, of 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 handling the situation. I mean. With us, we sold our star striker with one year to go, didn't we? And, you know, we just needed to get the money. But it's definitely a very bold and brave move yeah. by, by Zork and Klopp.
1: It's a, it's a costly move as well. But mm. the weird thing about that is that if you do that to a player, then no matter which club he goes to, or even if he stays, he's going to be taking a pay cut every time, isn't he? Mm. Because no, no club's going to pay him 300 grand a week. Not even Man City are stupid enough to do that. Mm. I'm not too sure about that, to be honest with you, because if you look at Man City, some of the players that they've signed and paid good money for,
2: they're still on 200k a week. So, if they get someone on a free, they'll save 40 million for a world-class striker Lewandowski. I just think that his earning potential could be just ridiculous. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if he matches it or beats it at one of these well, sugar daddy clubs like Monaco,
3: for example.
0: Uh, uh, matches just to chime in, uh, Bayern Munich are known for, are they known for giving out big contracts to the star players? Or are they quite prudent and pragmatic? Yeah, I mean they—they they paid. I mean, like,
5: you know, it really depends. I mean, you look at Mario Gomez. Uh, he was making pretty good coin before they shipped him off, mm-hmm. uh, as they like to do with their strikers, which is something Lewandowski needs to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a very short uh, shelf life in in Munich. Uh, for their for their star players, they do
0: spend the money because they know they're competing in the league of Real Madrid or Manchester United and so on these days. Cool. All right, Walid, have you got any questions for, for Matthias?
5: Hi Matthias, you all right?
4: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, just wondering, um, for, when the two teams meet, um, which is, uh, sometime next week and then, um, very soon after that again, for us, the focal point will be very much in how to deal with Lewandowski and, uh, Reus. Um, so in terms of uh, Dortmund, how, does, how, how do you think Klopp will set out and um, who do you think he will see
5: as uh, Arsenal's danger people? Mm. Well, uh, well, obviously it's going to be Uzi. You know, he, he's going to be a, a key focal point. And Klopp did uh, extremely well in shutting down Uzi versus Real Madrid four times last season and basically by cutting off the supply to him, by uh, focusing on Xabi Alonso. And I can see him kind of doing the same thing if you look at someone like Sven Benda, uh, who's extremely good, to to focus on uh, Santi Cazorla, Because he's, he's more dangerous than if you, say, put in an Arteta who is a very good player, but not nearly as dangerous as Cazorla, And so, you can kind of focus where the passing goes from there. Now, if they set up very defensively when they come to dortmund uh, with uh you know arteta and then flamini yeah. you know then you you focus on arteta at that point
4: mm-hmm. mm. i see and um in in in, ter- in terms of defensive wise i mean a lot if if they if they do go on to um, to try to shut down Ozil, a lot of the um a lot of the uh, threat will come from Shiroud, who is quite good in the can't be quite good in the air on his stay um how do how do how will club deal with that? I mean, it's, would, would 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 Hummels or Sabotage be, um, be be up for like aerial challenges, or will they kind of try and limit him to playing on the ground?
5: Well, they probably try to limit the, the game to the ground, which you know I don't really see as uh, that difficult because that's Dortmund and Arsenal are so similar in their playing styles; they like to keep it on the ground in general. Um, yeah. And uh, the good thing is, whether it's homeless, but most likely it'd be Subotic. He's also very physical, and yeah. uh, he can push forwards around a little bit. And I don't know, having watched Šušarud a lot, um, I don't know how much he likes uh, being being roughed up a little bit at times. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think they'll they'll kind of approach it like that. But you know, it's never going to be dirty because Dortmund is nothing. They're not a dirty team. They're the oh, fairest yeah. team in the Bundesliga for seasons now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Matthias, a quick question about Jurgen
2: Klopp um, It's kind of a common desire among Arsenal fans That only when Arsene Wenger decides to retire That we would really like Jurgen Klopp to be the next manager of Arsenal um, it's, it's just a, a common desire that exists between Arsenal fans um, Number one, are you aware of that? And number two, when do you, how long do you expect him to stay at the club for? What are his plans? Has he given any indication?
5: Well, I mean, he's at least going to stay through his contract, which runs until 2016. Um, what happens after that, um, it also kind of depends on what Joachim Löw does, uh, because I think in general, the majority of Germans would like to see him be the next Germany manager. Uh, I don't know if that's, you know, I mean, being a national team manager, it's it's not the day-to-day grind that club really thrives upon. Would he fit to Arsenal undoubtedly I mean they play very they have a similar philosophy um, both financially and playing wise uh, so I think it would be a, a good fit uh, for both sides but again he's going to be adult until twenty sixteen and possibly also beyond it everybody kind of thinks he's the the next Germany manager
0: right okay cool well, <clears throat> looking at the table um. It's fair to say that these two back-to-back games will be quite crucial in probably determining um, who's going to qualify from from the group stage. Um, this week's game or next week's game, should I say? Um, how do you see that one panning out? I mean, do you, do you think you've got a, a well, Dortmund have a, a better than fair chance of of getting a result at Arsenal? Do you think you could go there and do what Bayern Munich did last season? I don't
5: know about that because I think Arsenal's a different side. Um, I think simply by adding uh, Özil in there and the fact that Matazaka is playing with Koscieli at an absolute fantastic form right now, it's a different side. Uh, Do I think Dortmund have a chance of getting three points out of it? Yeah. You know, I think Dortmund has a chance of going anywhere in the world and winning. Uh, they're, They're good enough to do it and they have the mentality and the strength to do it. I personally believe uh, this game has a very entertaining draw written all over it, mm-hmm. um, which I think both sides could probably be happy with. I know Arsenal, you know, you guys would like to get the full three points because yeah. then you're pretty much already through, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how the other matches go. Um, but, you know, something like a, a very exciting 1-1 or 2-2, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't Dortmund fans at Dortmund aren't nervous about going to Arsenal. Cool. Uh, they're not really nervous about going anywhere, which is uh, kind of nice nowadays.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. was, I was going to the next question I was going to ask is what is the feeling amongst the fan base? I mean, but you seem to have answered the question. They, they they're quite upbeat and quite confident about their their boys going anywhere and and getting a result. Yeah, have... yeah, but just as but just as
5: well, they think they could lose. Hmm. I mean, Arsenal are a high quality side. there. Mm-hmm with Dortmund the best side in the group. It's, it's shown that it's played itself out that way. And of course Dortmund can go in there and lose. Yeah. Um, and the, the confidence around the fan base is it, it's just a mentality thing and the form and, and honestly how the injuries continue to play out over the next week.
0: Very quickly, Mo? Yeah, yeah you said that
5: Dortmund aren't um, worried
2: about coming to the Arsenal. Did you guys not see what we did to Napoli? <laughs> <laughs>
5: No, I mean, it's, um, it obviously saw that it was, it was impressive. Um, you know, the nervousness, you know, last season, uh, going away to Real Madrid, everybody's nervous when you go there. Um, but last season's Champions League campaign and the fact that Dortmund in the league didn't lose to Bayern, there were two draws and Bayern last season were the best team on the planet. Gives you enough confidence to go, you know, you can go anywhere and get a result, whether that's three points or one point. Cool. Uh, I, You know, a loss, though it wouldn't be surprising, would undoubtedly be disappointing, because then you know you have to win the remaining three matches.
0: Sure. All right, good stuff. All right, uh, Matthias, uh, before you go, before you wrap this up, we'd like your predictions for the Perth- first goal scorer, the scoreline, and... How many throw ins there'll be in the match? <laughs> <laughs> throw ins. Okay, um, well, I'll go with the score line first,
5: and I'm going to say one all. And the uh, first goal scorer, uh, I'll, I'll give it to you guys, and I'll, I'll say Sharoud will be the first goal
0: scorer. Mm-hmm. And throw ins. How many throw ins? Uh, we like to spread bit. We, do, we do like spread bit in here, so go ahead.
5: Oh, boy. Oh, gosh. This uh, is the I'm crucial about a statistic part. This, is the, this i never looked at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will, oh boy. Um, 2022?
0: 20, 22. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I mean, that's a statistic I'd never look at, so I, I'm
5: just gonna take a wild guess on that one
1: we all the time in Arsenal. We're yeah. very, very keen on getting that right. It's very important to us. Matthias, you know, um, on the last five occasions that Arsenal have played German
2: teams at home in the Champions League on a Tuesday, there's been 22 throw ons on three of them last five occasions.
0: Well, we see. There you go. I didn't even know that. No, that's absolute rubbish. By the way. <laughs> oh, okay. Matthias, it's been great having you no, on. I was It's been great having you on this evening. Um, Good luck for next week. Well, not too much good luck. And good luck for the rest of the season as well. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I feel
5: honored to be on. And uh, good luck to you guys. But also, not too much like it. Good luck against (laughs)
0: Napoli and Marseille. (laughs) Great stuff. (laughs) All right. Cheers, Matthias. Take care. All right. So that was uh, Matthias Sook of the Yellow Wall Pod. So, that was uh, Matthew Suk. Okay, so, coming on to any other business, let's very quickly skate through this. Um, 30 seconds on Woi Space Monkeys and NASA. Je- uh, Inchi.
1: Yeah, this is, a, this is an amazing uh, story that's broken today, the, the story of the non-racist abuse and um, it's amazing that um, he's, he said a, he's made a joke he's told a story the butt of the joke was the astronaut not the monkey someone's assumed that because he was talking about a black player that it must be racist um, and they've got the wrong end of the stick we don't know who went to the papers but the crazy thing is is that they went to the papers in the first place some people saying it's a player that could have done it some people saying it could be backroom stuff we don't know exactly who did it but the mad thing is um, A that they went to the papers and B that the papers uh, uh, ran it, you know at all. I mean you can't really blame them for that because the tabloids are all twats But it's just it's just never ceases to amaze me that they don't you know Someone comes and says look we've got this really great misunderstanding here where someone's offended and upset And they don't go well look obviously it wasn't racist go away yeah. You know or go and talk to the FA because we're not interested but no, they say let's splash it all over the front page and ruin Roy's, you know, t- uh, basking in the afterglow of his, of his thing, and just ruin his mood and piss off all the England fans and undermine the England campaign. You know, they've got no sort of moral obligation towards the England team to do well. Uh, they got, they got no respect for Roy. They'd rather just, uh, you know, put, you know, piss on the parade by reporting a story that isn't even a story.
0: That's Good. The right. Team. Right. That was over. That was way over thirty seconds inch. But I, Sorry, don't, don't worry about that. Um Walid
4: well i mean the first thing i thought when i saw that was um, well society is very very much becoming paranoid and uh, the media is leading the show on that um it's 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 an absolute non story first of all um because obviously people make jokes all the time and i don't think that that was supposed to be how the media perceived um Put it out to me. And secondly, second, yeah, I never actually thought Roy well, was the sort of person that would uh, that would throw around jokes in the dressing room. I always um, since I always saw him as a very serious sort of, um, sort of manager. But anyway, yeah. hey, well, there you go.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Mo. Um, quickly, all I'll say is that it was literally not
2: racist. You know, it just you. Racism has to carry intent, otherwise it's not racism. And I can say that because I'm an Asian guy, I've played football all my life, I've had my fair share. Racism has to have intent, there was clearly no intent. If you replace the word monkey with chimpanzee, orangutan, primate, it wouldn't have got this level of exposure. The people that are listening to this and are making the association of monkeys and black players, you need to look at yourselves, not Roy Hodgson, because he said this with complete um, innocence. And completely oblivious You can tell that he doesn't have a racist bone in his body Because he said it to someone who's black Without even considering the link The association If you'll make an association That's Mm -hmm. your problem You need to take a look at yourself So I I think it's really disappointing Last week we were talking about the media Messing around with Jack Wilshere quotes This time it's Roy Hodgson quotes They'll never change But we can apply common sense And not uh, buy into the stupidity
0: Great stuff Alright then Staying with you Mo Quickly Vermarlin do we sell him? Do we keep him? I
2: understand his point. Uh, World well Cup round the corner, players always want to play. I really, really pray that he does not leave. I, I love the guy. When he was in the team and playing well, I thought he was one of the best defensive uh, central defenders in the, in the league. So I totally understand,
4: um, but I, I'd hate to see him go. Waleed. Well, Definitely, I think we should keep him. I mean, he on his day he could be a very, very good player. And I think uh, even in the cup to World Cup this year, I guess West Brom, he really proved to be a leader. And we need characters like that. I understand his point. You know, he wants to play games, but you know, if you want to be at big clubs, you have to deal with the competition.
0: Cool. And lastly, review Inch.
1: Um, I think it's another non-story in a way because you know he say I'm not happy. Um, I'm going to consider my options in January maybe, um, but um, that's because he's not getting games and obviously he wants to play for Belgium and Belgium won't let him play if he's not getting regular games. But he's forgotten how many bloody games there are between now and January. You know we're going to be playing seven games a week. You know in December it's just mental how many games there are. There will have to be rotation. Knowing our luck, someone will get injured and he could suddenly put together like a 10 game run you know so it's a bit it's a bit sort of knee jerk to
0: start thinking about other clubs now good. I think he'll change his tune by the time we get to January because he probably would have played quite a few games good stuff alright so ok staying with you Inch give me your predictions for Norwich
1: Norwich um, they're, they're, they're decent at the moment aren't they but I just think we'll have far too much of them with Cazola back and everything so I reckon 3-1 first goal scorer Ramsey.
0: Free kicks. How many free kicks to Arsenal?
1: 7.2.
0: Great. Mo, <laughs> <laughs> same or, to you. Okay, um, I'm stuck between 2-0 and 3-0. Mm-hmm. Um, if we score
2: in the first half, it will be 3-0. If we get our first goal in the second half, it will be 2-0. I expect a clean sheet. Um, I think I think it will be fairly comfortable for us. I hope I don't have to eat my words. Um, first goal scorer... I think, oh, I was going to say Ramsey as well, to be honest with you, um, but who cares, I'm going to go with Ozil. Um I'm going to change it up, go with Mesut Ozil to get the first goal, if he's playing, if not, then it'll be Ramsey, and number of free kicks, I think it will be uh, 12.
0: And finally with you, Walid.
4: Yeah, I'm going to go with a 3 Um first goal scorer, Olivier Chiroud. Uh number of free kicks, uh, um, I'd
0: probably say something around 7 Cool. right so that's it that wraps it up you've had your, you've had everything from Norwich to Dortmund to AGMs to Roy Hodgson and Space Monkeys and even to a little bit of spread betting so we've covered every base that was the Gunners World podcast the Gunner Ramble thank you to Waleed yeah.
4: cheers thank you very much Inchi fuck the tabloids
0: <laughs> and Mo
2: I'm off to space with an astronaut
0: Right. And that's me, good Goodnight, your host, Jizza. Um, Thank you and good night. You have been listening to the Guna Ramble, a Guna's world podcast.